What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to our second episode of the State of VR. This is your November 2019 edition. And uh, as you can see, we are in a different place today, and we'll probably be in different places every episode. Yep. Um, not not by design, but really just by circumstance. So we are in Ro- Ronnie's awesome uh, condo here in Chicago. And um, oh, you know what? Now we're setting a precedent. You should come to LA, and we'll do one there too. That sounds See? good. So we'll we'll have some fun with it. Um, but yes, thank you guys so much for tuning in, Ronnie. How have you been, man? I'm great. So yeah, a lot of awesome things going on. Uh, VR and non-VR, so I'm excited about you know the prospects in the future and all of that. But I agree. I mean, specifically for this show, there have been some huge announcements, mm-hmm. and I, I'm sure a lot of people out there that are listening know uh, some of those announcements that we're probably going to be talking about. Yep. Uh, there might be new listeners that uh, are just getting into VR for the first time mm-hmm. that are, are excited about some of this stuff as well. So yeah, we're I'm excited to talk about this stuff and very excited about the future for VR. Couldn't agree more. So we got a couple of topics here. Um, and I would say, well, why don't you start us off? Cause I think you have a, a good idea with where you want to go with it. All right. Sure. Um, well, uh, I guess the first topic I kind of wanted to talk about and I'm, I'm trying to think what the best, maybe Oculus link first. Do you want to talk do about it. that? Yeah. yeah. I, so. I, well, yeah, yeah, actually let's, let's start with Oculus link. Cause that's the one that I'm most excited about. Okay. Awesome. Even though so. we're also going to talk about half-life, don't worry guys, <laughs> we're getting to it. Yeah. But Oculus link is, uh, something that I've been looking forward to as an Oculus quest owner, Oculus quest only owner. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's out. You have tried it. Mm-hmm. I have not. So I'm jealous, but I am actually very excited to hear what your take on it has been. Sure. So yeah, for those who don't know what Oculus Link is, essentially it's a way to connect the Oculus Quest, which is a standalone Android-based VR headset. It's a way to connect that headset to a high-powered PC to play PC VR titles. So uh, up until this point, if you bought a Quest, you were uh, required to only play the titles that came out on the Quest itself. And those games are great. There's a lot of really, really good Quest content, and I still think native Quest titles for the Quest or, you know, kind of where it's at for that device. But at the same time, for people where that have entered into uh, high-end VR for the first time using the Quest and they and, and happen to have a PC but no other headset, now with a simple USB 3 cable, and, and I say simple, but there's, well, we'll talk more about that in a bit. Uh, the actual logistics yeah, of it. There's specific cables that you guys need to, to be on the lookout for. Um, but yeah, with with a cable, you can connect your your Oculus Quest to a PC, and now all of a sudden you have access to all of the Rift li- uh, lineup of games on, on Oculus Home. So in addition to that, if you've been buying games on the Quest, a lot of those Quest titles, in addition to the mobile version that runs on the Quest, they support cross-play, meaning if you had a Rift S or a Rift, you were able to play them uh, on, on your PC well, and, yeah. and higher fidelity using like the full power of your PC. Well, now you'll be able to use the full power of your PC if you have one uh, and, and run those games. So you may already, if you have a high-powered PC and an Oculus Quest and you weren't able to play uh, PC VR before, you might be pleasantly surprised when you have it hooked up to your PC when you realize that there's already titles in your library on the PC that are ready to go. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so that's the exciting part. And uh, yeah, this was announced for the first time 
in in September at the Oculus Connect Six conference in San Jose, California. And a lot of people were hoping that something like this would come down the line at some point from Oculus. Uh, but it was a surprising and probably one of the best announcements that was made uh, during that press conference, in my opinion. And so that, so in in that short time from from late September until now, early November, uh, they've released it as a beta form for people to use in their homes. Um, in order to access that, uh, you can just go ahead and and just make sure all your devices are up to date, and it'll and you have to and if if you haven't used uh, the PC Oculus client before, you will have to download that and install that. Um, mm-hmm. But once you do, so so you have to go Oculus basic, Home, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You okay. just you just go to Oculus.com, and there should be a, a pretty obvious link there to download the soft the Oculus software. I don't even know that they call it Home per se. It's just like download the software. Oh, okay, got and, it. And you you install it, and you don't have. To, I actually ran into trouble early on because. Some of the early articles I had read told me that I needed to, uh, I guess, I needed to sign up for betas, like the the I forget what it's called, playtest or something. Like it's it's essentially like kind of a a separate beta group in the Oculus software. Like you go to settings and you go to beta, and there's this little You're slider. Right. Yeah, yeah. I did have to sign up for something initially too. So, but so so at, like ironically, I was having like I had all that stuff set up. I opted into the betas in the Oculus software on my PC. Uh-huh. And so when I heard the announcement that Oculus Link was here and I ordered the USB cable that I wanted to use, uh, when it came in the mail and I hooked up my PC, it just wasn't working. Like I, mm-hmm. I was having back and forth all kinds of problems. And so I, I started reading just some help guides online to try to see what my problem was. And it turns out that they said right now, if you opt into that program, it doesn't work, which is weird to me. Yeah. Why? So okay. yeah, I, I have no idea because I I thought I had specifically been told to to opt into that before. Yeah. Maybe we can provide an update once. Yeah. We get so more so anyway, so so that. I so I, I I opted out, and it required me to re-update my Oculus software to get out of that that extra beta e yeah. software, and okay. then and then it worked. So 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 the reason I'm saying that is like for those out there that are having issues, make sure you're not opted into. The beta programs in the settings of the Oculus Home software. Good to know. Okay. Um, and so, I, my understanding is, as long as you just have the software and the base Oculus software installed on your PC, and your Oculus Quest is updated to the latest mm-hmm. version, that they should just play nice, and you should be able to just plug it in with the cable, like plug one end into your Quest and the other end into your PC. And assuming that you have a port that supports the bandwidth, it, it has to be a USB three, three port, okay. and it has to be like I'm sure there's USB three ports out there that don't work. But assuming, knock on wood, you have everything that you need, yeah, um, it just works. And once I got it working, I mean, it it really like other than you know the feel of that cable on your head, like it feels just like a native. Uh, I mean. That Everything was pretty. Yeah, there, there's okay. technically a little bit of latency, supposedly. Yeah. But I'm telling you guys, like I'm pretty sensitive to that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not able to use wireless VR a lot of times because I notice the 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 lag. Yeah, yeah. But with this, I don't notice any lag. That's. So. I mean, that's that's pretty big. Yeah. Okay. So before we get more into your experience with it, sure. Let's go through the actual logistics of. Let's say someone's out there; they have not even heard of Oculus Connect yet. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Oculus Link. Yeah. Um. 
what is the cable that they need specifically and where can they get it, things like that. Let me so. pull that up real quick because there's there was a specific, I ordered it, there's a specific link, uh, there's a specific cable rather that Oculus has recommended. Can you get it from their use. site? You can get it. You know, I'm I'm sure they probably wonder, recommended okay. it, but no, well, like like I you can order it on Amazon. It's it's an anchor cable. Okay. Well, I was actually going to get even more into like the specific details. Like obviously your Oculus Quest has a USB-C port on yeah. it. Um but it sounds like you have a USB-C port on your computer as well. Uh, yeah. No, I don't. Oh, you don't. Okay. No. But if you do, you can have a USB-C to USB-C. Yeah. But for most people, the, the what they're recommending is USB-C to USB 3.0. I mean, right now. So so if I remember correctly, and, and for those that are really interested in the nitty-gritty details of how Oculus Link works, I actually did an interview with someone over at Oculus at, when I was at OC6. So if you go and look at like late September episodes, of we'll, ours, we'll post the uh, episode number in the show yeah. notes too. Um, if you go and find that, uh, basically he went into all the details on how they designed uh, Oculus Link to work and why certain cables are better than others. But essentially, like according to Oculus, USB C to USB C is the best solution, assuming it's a USB C uh, three cable. And unfortunately, gotcha. the cable that comes with the Quest is not a USB 3 cable. It's a USB 2 cable. So the, the cable that comes with the Quest will not work for Oculus Link. You actually, <laughs> yeah, ironically. They, so, yeah, I know. So, so they're designing their own cord that's going to be released probably sometime in early 2020. They haven't given an exact date yet. Um, but that cable is going to be the official Oculus Link cable that that's made by Oculus, and I got to use that cable when I was at the show, or at least a prototype of that cable. And I can tell you that cable is awesome. Now the downside is that cable is USB C to USB C. So if you're someone like me or Zane, like neither of our our computers native, like my computer doesn't have any USB C uh, ports, neither does his. Um, well, as far I, as I remember, so you no, know, no, there isn't. But yeah. I'm also curious. So like, I mean, the last time I either bought or put together a computer was three years ago when yeah. you bought with mine. Yeah. I mean, are they selling computers with USB-C now? Oh, like, yeah. Is that a common thing? Yeah. Like, I mean, most laptops all have USB-C. Okay. If you have a new, like, so NVIDIA. I do have, yeah, I have a new MacBook, which I thought it was kind of annoying that they took out the regular USB-C ports. Yeah, <laughs> just, or, US, or USB. Yeah. Now it's just two USB-C ports on yeah. there. Yeah. No, I mean, a lot of, yeah, a lot, a lot of computers now, like, my laptop has USB-C ports, ironically. It's just my desktop, which is older, doesn't. And if I wanted to, because I have a full size PC, I can I could buy like a, a PCI card that adds those ports yeah, to my yeah. computer. Like I could do that, but uh, we'll see. I, I probably I may do that uh, when I like if I really get used to using the link, or if I have like for the show, if we really need to use the Quest connected to the PC a lot, I probably will do that because that that's what I was going to say. Like the difference between their cable and this, so. I ordered the anchor cable, and for those interested in, like right now, this is the recommended cable by by Oculus until their cable comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an anchor USB three cable, and, and the and we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, it, <clears throat> we'll, we'll link to it. I'm trying to see where the, eh, because there's a specific yeah. The item model number is A eight one six three G eleven. And I mean that cable. As soon as they announced that that was the officially supported one, the largest size was ten feet, and then there's a six foot cable and, and a three foot cable. And I believe ten feet that comes out to it's shorter than the 
the cords that we're used to on most long, of our headsets. How long was the Vive cord? I, I think they're like, like most the of them ones. are five meters, which okay. I don't remember. I'm that's, trying to, that's significantly shorter than. Yeah, I think that, what is that, like three meters, 10? I'm trying to, or well, four? Yeah, I mean, five meters, I'm just roughly yeah. rounding up probably over 15 feet at least. Yeah, so so it is significantly shorter. So the 10 foot mm. feet is, the big, is as long as this anchor cable gets, but you can, if you get the right USB 3 extension cable, I, it's it works with those. Oh, okay. Extent, so you but, can, okay. Yeah. So so I'm sure out there, like oh. if you're interested in getting extension cables, uh, I would look look up, go on Reddit or something, uh, Google it. I'm sure people have combinations of cables that work, and you can get it longer. Would there be any extra latency on that? No, I don't. No. I don't think so. Okay. Because I think it either. I mean, I could be wrong, but my understanding is it either works or it doesn't. Got it. Okay. Um, but but yeah, I could be wrong on that, I, and and maybe there is a little bit more. I I really don't know because because these are I'm telling you like I'm excited about having a USB C to USB stand like a yeah, yeah. Uh, cable <clears throat> just because I don't have that means I don't have to get new ports. But when I was speaking with Oculus, they specifically said there are reasons why they prefer USB C to C. So. And and I that's probably for latency purposes and stuff because because yeah when 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 using the the anchor cable that they're recommending I mean the connection works perfectly like it's as far as I can tell it, it worked just as well the the thing that that isn't as great about it is that the cable is thicker and heavier and so definitely like when I was using the Oculus cable at Oculus Connect I mean their cable it it it's it connects almost like a headphone jack so it can pivot. And it felt it felt really thin, really flexible, and really light, and it was long. So really, I mean, it was it in some ways it felt superior to other cables that I've used on other on other standard headsets. It felt really, really good, and that was the one thing using this this kind of thick anchor cable. And I have it here; I could probably show it, but it it felt like it was kind of like I if I really wanted to, I could forget about it, but. It felt like it was tugging at my head more than what I'm used to. So, yeah. so, so in an ideal world, I mean, the thing you is, would like, get the Oculus. You, you, you're used to the Quest, which has nothing, which yeah. is amazing. It's an yeah. amazing experience, especially for those who have grown up with, you know, tethered VR. So, yeah. but, I, but no, but I'll say that, like, yeah. that as far as like, yeah, the Oculus, I think they're going to be charging eighty dollars for their cable. That's wow. expensive. How much is that anchor cable? It was like fifteen. Okay, yeah, that's well, that's significantly or, or even less, but but mm-hmm. yeah, but so is the, there's a big price difference, but I'll tell you, like the, I mean, the experience with the Oculus cable was significantly better. Are you talking about inside the headset or outside the headset? Outside, it, I mean, this the experience was better inside the headset because I didn't feel the cable as much. The the oh the, the okay, experience okay. of actually the visuals and moving around and tracking it all felt just should, as good. Should be the same. Yeah, yeah. they they felt <clears throat> the same to me. I wasn't comparing them back to back. That's true. Okay. That was like two months ago, and but but it yeah the, the connection on this anchor cable felt great. It's just the form factor of the cable could be better, and and from what I remember using the Oculus one, the form factor is great. Like it's better than any kind of cable like that I've seen. So interesting. If it, it, it legitimately felt more like a cable on a headphone than it did like a thick yeah. A thick USB cable. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask next? Oh, okay. So the anchor cable. Well, actually, I'm just curious if Anchor's going to come out with 
a longer cable now. Oh, well, that's the thing. So it would be cool if they now came that out they've with, been designated yeah, as like the. It would be cool if they came out with a longer one. The funny thing about the ten foot cable, I ordered it like right when I saw that they were recommending one. I immediately just went on Amazon and picked it up, and it came the next day. Within hours, the ten foot cable was sold out everywhere on Amazon, and really? now they're they're okay. back ordered right now. I don't know if it's gotten worse, but when I checked a couple of days ago, they were back ordered well into December. So, Shoot. Okay, so, so like, it doesn't look when, like I'm getting on, yeah. on Oculus so, Link anytime so, soon. So, so Damon, when when Damon ordered it, mm-hmm. he got the six foot cable because that was the that was the longest one that was left in stock. Okay, I'll have to ask him how his experience is with the six foot cable, but I can't imagine that it is. No, that that's ideal. why. I mean, it's up to you, obviously. But I since because I know you you want to really use your Quest with your PC. Um, I'd like to give. I can I can lend you my cable because I look at at Ronnie. He's being so nice on the podcast. So you'll you'll get (laughs) you'll get a chance to experience the anchor cable in all of its glory. (laughs) We'll we'll figure it out. Well, more so just from a, I guess what I was trying to dig into was like more so the the long term implications of this, right? So and I don't I not I'm not even claiming to know what anchor's business motivations are, but I'm just trying to think of the fact that like hey. They are sold out on this 10-foot cable. I'm sure people are clamoring for a longer cable. But is this going to, like, how long does this last? And and when I say that, I mean how long until the Quest and the Rift are the same, right? How long until the Quest 2.0 comes out and makes even that cable irrelevant? Yeah. There's probably still a ton of money to be made. Don't get me sure. wrong. But yeah, the but next Quest you know, will have its own cable you know, with I'm, it. Yeah. Sure, I'm just trying to look more long-term at the... Well, no, no, no. I'm not even talking about Anchor or Oculus making their their uh, cables. I'm just talking about the fact that like the Quest is great as it is. Sure. And it's an amazing piece of, of hardware. But we're excited... Because it's a VR show, we are excited for <laughs> for Quest 2.0 or whatever yeah. they whatever they deem that. Where Quest, the next version of this will be better than Oculus Rift S and completely wireless. Sure, you know what I'm saying. So maybe I'm trying to get too meta or too. I'm tr- I'm trying to dig too deep here. Get the cable. I will be doing the same. I'll be borrowing <laughs> Ronnie's for a little bit. Um, but yeah. So now let's dig into your experience overall. Now it sounds like you said that. Kind of the same, or like yeah. I mean, flawless it's, throughout. I mean, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a little bit. I'm sure if you put them side by side, like people have said, they notice that the fidelity isn't quite as good as the Rift S. Like it's a little bit yeah. more blurry because there is compression. I mean, essentially, you're compressing all of the data that would be going through the like HDMI or display display yep, port yep. on on the Rift S. Down to you're, USB. You're, yeah, you're compressing all of that stuff and pushing it over USB, and so usually. Like usually, the most VR headsets have multiple things to play with. Like they have the Display Port, they have USB, they have like this is all being compressed and sent over over like the the USB bus. So it's yeah. So they had to do compression and they have to do some tricks to make like the edge, the sides of the screen, you know, less detail so that it takes up less room and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you that the overall uh, output is great. And you're only going to really notice those differences if you're used to playing on one of those high-end headsets. Yeah. Now, now another downside well, the, is the Quest. The Quest runs at a lower refresh rate. Okay. So the Quest only supports 72 hertz. Tech, now, anyways, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas the Rift S is 80, and most other headsets are 90 plus. Gotcha, so, okay. So it, how does that translate into an experience? Well, the more frames per second you're seeing on the screens, the smoother the motion technically. Mm-hmm. So for some people, 
sometimes going into those lower refresh like it might make them more sick than the higher refresh rate. But like, but, but you as somebody who has had some sensitivity to that, yeah, I don't. Have you didn't any notice problem. anything? No, that, I, I mean that's good. Yeah, I I don't have any problem with it. Like I I yeah, using the quest for long periods of time, yeah, I, I notice there's a difference, but it's not like a note. Like if you are a quest owner and you didn't have PC VR before, you're getting a pretty good experience with Link for sure. I mean. And way better than pretty good, I'd say. Yeah, no, you're, you're getting, getting access to the whole Oculus. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I mean, and this is something like Damon and I actually talked about it on the episode we posted yesterday, I think. Um, but yeah, like Oculus really didn't have to do this, and in some ways, it could cannibalize sales of the Rift S if people are kind of only interested in getting one versus the other. Like they could have not made the the Quest compatible with PC VR, and if you wanted to experience mobile. You had to buy a Quest, and if you wanted to experience PC, you had to buy a Rift S or another. Pro- but like yeah. they, they did the research and the work, and they made this happen. And I mean, I think long term, it's a hundred percent in their interest They're, to have one device to rule them all, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I'm yeah. It just it just doesn't make sense because like, well, in in the sense that you're talking about, like it's cannibalizing. I would say most people are probably on the fence. I I don't know anybody. I mean. Well, not. I mean, yeah. even even you, you yeah. already had a Rift. You weren't going to get a Rift S and a Quest, yeah. right? No. So, I, like, I, I like I don't think that I would know anybody who would want to get the Rift S and Quest. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who can afford it, um, and, but they are probably going to be the exceptions to the rule. Yeah. So I I think for them, this is a smart business move because at the end of the day, the Quest is something that you can bring to a friend's place. You can you can bring anywhere. The Quest is the future, yeah. right? In terms of like where they're actually trying to go. And to be fair, if you are I mean, I really think software-wise, if you have a Quest, I think that's a huge incentive for you, for users to buy software from the Oculus Store, regardless of if they're using PC or not. Like yeah. for me, I don't have a Rift S, I have a Quest, oh, and I have an Index. That's another big part, yeah. Yeah, so, so I have a Quest and I have an Index. But anytime I'm kind of stru- struggling to decide if I'm going to buy a certain piece of software in Oculus, uh, from the Oculus Store or from SteamVR... If there's ever a question, like if if there aren't index specific features that I need native Steam VR support for, mm-hmm. a lot of times it kind of makes more sense to buy the Quest or the Oculus version because then I can play it on my PC and I can play it on my index through through Revive, and I can play it on the Quest. Like I'm, I'm a, yeah. if I buy it in Steam VR, the game will not work for the Quest, and so so I'm just saying like it, it's kind of a like. To get more Quest users involved on the PC side, like I, I just, I just think it makes sense to kind of link the Quest as much as you can to the PC yeah. side. No, I, I, I agree one hundred percent. I just don't think that. Oh, I don't think that. I don't think that it really matters in the long term, right? Like, yeah. and and for exactly what you're saying, like it's forcing you to get more games in the Oculus Home Store. Now, my curiosity, and sorry, I'm, I'm like. I'm just Mr. Conspiracy Theory today. Not even conspiracy theory, just like trying to like dig deeper. Uh, is I wonder if the, a lot of the, like the Rift and Rift S only titles, mm-hmm. and I might I might be talking way out of here, but like would those be ported onto Quest at some point? I mean, a lot of them have been. I mean, but, eh, no, okay, so I the, should I, mean, I should correct that. No, some, like a lot of PC no. VR games have been ported to the Quest, um, but not. I would. My kind of gut answer is a lot of the Rifts, like a lot of the Oculus exclusives that were made specifically for the Rift on the PC side are 
pretty like they're they're high quality kind of you know double a triple a type experiences yeah that are too hard like you would have to really pair them back in order to get them to run well on on the quest so i think this mm-hmm. is a way to kind of leverage those properties like stormland for example is the big one right yep, stormland yep. recently came out that game is is no joke to run and a quest could definitely not run a game similar to that on its own so if you were a quest owner before oculus link came out you couldn't buy stormland because there's no way you could play stormland on the quest and and really it would have been like a monumental task to port it over like yeah I, that's true okay and so and so in a lot of ways this allows oculus to leverage these games that they're that developers want to make for the high end pc mhm while still giving their and, and, future and now, user base. Yeah, assuming you have, like, it's not going to be for everyone. Obviously, not every Quest owner also has a PC capable of running VR. It's not like a one-for-one thing. Mm-hmm. But if you do, and you just haven't pulled the trigger, like, I, there probably is a decent amount of crossover uh, of people that were interested in the Quest and hadn't got into, gotten into VR before that that are also just, like, PC gamers. So, so you could yeah. be really into PC gaming. You decide to pull the trigger on a Quest, but you just, for whatever reason, never got another headset. Now this is like an easy transition to, to get you hooked on the PC side. And now you will buy those Oculus exclusive titles that before were only on the, on the Rift. I, I, that's prob- I, I think that's like the best way of, of kind of looking at this. Is yeah, maybe I this, agree. Yeah, because th- this basically allows them to leverage the titles that they were already publishing on more headsets. If you're a Quest user, yeah. Well, it just it just makes Quest users feel like they're not missing out. Yeah, I know? agree. Um, but now on the flip side of that, if you're a Rift S owner, you might feel a little bit bummed out because you're like, "What?" Like I, but but I, I because now you can't you don't have access to quest titles True. and now but quest users have access to your titles now the now the thing the 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 nice thing about that is i mean there's no if ands or buts about it the rift s is better for pc vr than yeah, yeah. the quest so you can at least feel good about you're having the best native oculus experience um if you have a rift s but but yeah like i mean the I mean, the form factor of the Rift S is better than than the the Quest. Like I was saying, the the quality of the the refresh rates higher, um, but then the Quest, like there's you know, trade offs. I, I you just know? I feel I feel like because the the Rift S and the Quest came out at roughly the same time. They did. I think the same day. It's probably the same day. Yeah. So I would say anybody who is a Rift S owner is a Rift S owner for a reason, yeah. right? Because yeah. like if you were I just feel like the way that it was being marketed, and like especially for maybe newer, um, newer uh, VR newcomers. Sure. <laughs> I was like yeah. newcomers to VR. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, like one of the big things that we were talking about always was like the added hidden cost of having a high end computer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, therefore, if you could just get the Quest for four hundred, as opposed to getting the the Rift S for four hundred plus having to get a computer so what i'm trying to say is that i don't think rift s users should feel too bad because you got the rift s for a reason yeah i guess no i agree i guess we didn't but yeah but for people who did like but we had other headsets like we had other headsets too but like you got it because you wanted that high quality vr yeah i agree 
High quality PCVR, and and you are interested in Oculus's offerings rather than other offerings out there. Like true, and, yeah. and honestly, for the price, and and I should mention that. So going into the holiday season, I don't know if I don't think there are going to be any price cuts for the Quest, but they are putting the Rift S on sale for three fifty. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, you can already start to see that they're probably just trying to move units at yeah, this point. Yeah. But still, though, I'm saying like, but that's also for people that are new to VR that want a good headset. The Rift. I mean, all Oculus products are really good, and for PC-based VR, the Rift S is superior to the Quest. So I'm just kind of putting that out there, especially going into the holiday and with a big Half-Life game on the horizon, which we'll talk about in a little bit. <laughs> like. It might be a good time. Like, there's. I think there are going to be a decent number of people during the holiday season that might be looking into headsets. Yeah. So, so that's that is like, like I just want to say, kind of like what you were saying. I think if you were on the market and bought a Rift S at the time that the Quest released, you bought that for a reason, and that reason might continue to get stronger as price cuts come and as other PC content comes out in the future. Yeah, that's so. true. Cool. Well, um, well, that's fun for Oculus Link. I'm looking forward to trying it. So thank you for sharing your experience yep. and uh, maybe sharing your uh, Oculus Link or Anchor Cable uh, in the future, so I can give it a shot. Yep. Um, before we get into the Half Life stuff, trust me, guys, we are getting there. Wanted to mention probably one of the biggest shifts in just the VR world that we've seen mm-hmm. in a while with uh, a name that is probably well known by many. Mm-hmm. But uh, both in VR and on VR and on VR, yeah. But uh, I mean, John Carmack stepping down. So, yep. I mean, I read the articles on this. I looked into it. Uh, if you guys uh, haven't seen the interview that John Carmack did, maybe just a couple months ago with Joe Rogan, I highly recommend it. It's it's not specifically VR folks. In fact, there's probably very little VR content. But you know the the man is just brilliant, and he's had a, a very significant impact oh, yeah. on the gaming industry. And then after joining uh, Oculus and Facebook, uh, just kind of developing that to where it's at. And so I don't know, man. This is this is uh, it's an interesting place to be. You've been following him and his work for for much longer. What you know? What are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I mean, it it kind of makes sense to some extent. Um, you know. I would say that mobile side of VR was kind of his baby. So he was really into developing. He was really an advocate of lower end VR, not because it was like the best fidelity, but I think he just wanted to get VR in as many people's hands as possible. It's about accessibility. Yeah. And he was hoping that, well, everybody has smartphones. So he was really an advocate of trying to make uh, Gear VR and eventually the Go. And then I, to some extent, the Quest as well, make those mobile platforms as feature packed as possible. And he's really, you know, an incredible like savant when it comes to coding. And so I think he was able to make the software side of Oculus's offerings a lot better than they would have been without his, you know, assistance. So 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 there's that. And and at, at Oculus Connect this year, he kind of gave what he deemed the eulogy of the Oculus, you know, this or the Samsung Gear VR, which is an which was an Oculus uh, product in conjunction with Samsung. Um, he gave the eulogy for that because they were essentially discontinuing it, and you know talked about all his regrets and uh, all that all that kind of stuff in terms of well why didn't it work and what could they have done to make it better, and yeah you could tell that you know that kind of ship had sailed and really Quest was the future, and 
he had probably put in a decent amount of work to kind of making his his vision for what he could contribute to VR now a, a possibility. And as far as, I mean, we can only speculate as to the exact reasons that he stepped down. I mean, some some things he kind of said close to when he stepped down were things like he was frustrated with the, the slowness at which software has been progressing on the VR side. But that's also, yeah. he's, he's also the guy that in the interview with Joe Rogan was like, I can't imagine, you know, if I spend anything less than 50 hours in the office a week, I feel like I'm being lazy. <laughs> yeah, and so, so like that. he's, he's a very intense, like very driven, very productive yeah. person. And, and, and so on one hand you could see it, maybe he, you know, uh, maybe he, he wasn't loving the, the Facebook culture. He is always a different, he always kind of went by his own, uh, ideas and why, by his own kind of stances on all these things. Like even when he sp- spoke at Oculus Connect, you could tell he was just like pouring out everything in his brain. He wasn't, you know, beholden to any kind of company lines or anything like that. So maybe, so I could see, yeah. I could see that being something that would take its toll. On the other hand, it could just be one of those things he's, had a very long and and extensive career in gaming and it seems like a lot of the big problems in computing going forward like he may have solved enough of the VR problems that he felt like it was in good enough hands to where he could move on to a project where he might have more of an impact or that yeah. he has more of a passion well, for now may, maybe he just maybe his interest just because I, I mean yeah. we're obviously speculating here yeah. I don't know what his relationship no. or we don't know what his relationship with Facebook is at no. all I I I can't imagine that it's an, an extreme good or bad. I mean, exactly. It's, it's just like I'm sure. Like I agree, they, they came up with some amazing products, and, and stuff he stayed that he there a long be time. Very proud like, of, yeah. He, he stayed there for a decent chunk of time, like to let. I mean, he, it's not like he stepped down at a weird time. Yeah, if, I, I could see after the Quest was released. I mean, right now they're working on next generation products, of course, and I'm sure there's a lot of really, really interesting stuff on the horizon. Mm-hmm. But the the kind of the uh, the the stage of VR that he came in on that that stage I think is more or less completed with this first wave of of high of high end PC VR headsets with the mobile uh, headsets and then culminating in the first true six degrees of freedom. Yeah, well, he he came know. in when Kickstarter was still oh when yeah when Oculus when, was still doing a Kickstarter right yeah yeah and that I, through maybe the it was of, it was either during the Kickstarter or right after but right either after. but before it was bought by Facebook so he's yeah yeah he's like a true VR believer and he was I mean when he was speaking it was it was probably before the Kickstarter well no he wasn't officially signed on before the Kickstarter as far as I remember but he was definitely affiliated because okay. before the Kickstarter I mean one of the first videos that I had seen about VR in the modern day that kind of uh, you know, s- spoke my interest uh, was uh, was with him and Palmer Lucky. So gotcha. Okay, and, and that was before he was officially with Oculus. So he had he was with uh, with his old company id in Bethesda before switching over. Switching over. Okay. And so he was he was at a different company working with people at Oculus, and then eventually went to Oculus. Yeah. So so, but yeah, no, but he. I mean, he stayed there through this what I would consider this first stage. and I mean, maybe even two stages. Cause maybe you even with, two. You come out with the Rift three years ago, and yeah. then another three years go by. And, and from the folks that I've talked to at Oculus, I mean, obviously a lot of the founders of Oculus are no longer there, if not all of them. But a lot of the people, Facebook has a lot of money, 
and they are able to hire some really brilliant people. And as a lot of you guys probably know, some of you guys make VR content as well. I mean, there's so many passionate people that have been clamoring to get these kind of jobs. And I and and really everyone that I've talked to at Oculus, especially those higher level engineers, are brilliant people in their own yeah. in their own right. Like every single one of them. Like like I don't work at Oculus. I don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. To some extent, who knows exactly how much of a role he's had in the past several months or year? Then that like he may also just be more managing at this point. And maybe and and my understanding and, and, is he doesn't love managing either. So yeah. so I think you know. And that's just, we should also mention that he's still going to be involved in a consulting yeah, he role. Yeah, so, he is. So it's it's not like all ties are severed. I, I mean, for me, when I when I looked at that, and especially after watching that interview and just seeing the, the type of person that he is, um, obviously, I'm, I'm still at this point judging a, a book by its cover, which sure. is, you know, limited. I, I've never spoke to the man, but, you know, he's he's very passionate about what he wants to do and the interests that he's that he has and has had. Yep. Um and you know he they, he did say that he is moving on to focus on artificial intelligence yep. which is this other just kind of like gray giant beast that giant cloud that is is moving our way or that we are heading towards um so i can totally buy I, I can totally buy the fact that maybe he's just interested in something else, right? Like yeah. something that's not conquered yet. Like yeah. here, we we look at this now, and, and I'm I'm just trying to throw something that just popped into my head, but that or the insight that just popped into my head, but it's just like VR is it's it's here, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it was here three years ago. Yeah. But now it's it's almost like an iPhone or a smartphone where it's, it's going to be probably a lot of incremental changes. They're going to get rid of the wire. They're going to get better yeah. graphics. They're going to add little uh, little things on here and there to improve the experience. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's he took it or he helped t- take it from zero to one. Yeah. Now, like the rest of it, like is where, you know, maybe other people excel. Not that he, he wouldn't, but, mm-hmm. you know, his interests are probably in like, how do I take something from scratch and build it? You yeah. Know, he seems like that type of guy. No, and, and, and yeah, this is, I'd be interested to watch that interview with Joe Rogan again now that I know that he was probably, he probably was already thinking that yeah. these things were kind of ruminating. Um, because some of what he was talking about was that he doesn't love the managerial side, like that he mm-hmm. perhaps should delegate more, but delegating kind of. <laughs> like isn't his thing. Like yeah. he likes to be hands on, and uh, so I mean, maybe it was just that. Maybe he was just at, at some point he was, you know, just he he was he he was he was no longer interested in being more of this higher level kind of manager type position, yeah. and he I wanted mean, we, who knows we don't know, but yeah. I, but I, but I mean, what I what I will say is like I if I doubt John Carmack is going to listen to our podcast, <laughs> but. Uh, I just want to thank, yeah, I want to thank him for everything that he's done for this industry and for just gaming in general. I mean, he's had a huge impact on everything. I mean, he basically invented the first person shooter more or less, or his, Mm -hmm. his team at id did. And, uh, he's just had a huge impact in a lot of things that a lot of people really love. So, uh, we wish him obviously the best in all his future endeavors and, 
And honestly, I'm still very much excited to see what he's working on and follow his his work and like. Wherever. Twitter was all kinds of jokes <laughs> about like, great. Now he's like bringing on like you know D Day or oh like, the end of the world. Yeah, basically <laughs> like great. The day John Carmack moves to artificial intelligence is the day that you know machines take over the world. Like <laughs> he's just accelerating it at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, but yeah, like you said, I mean, great. Great contribution, and I'm just excited to see uh, what I mean. Because you and I, obviously, we love VR, but I think we also just love tech in general. Yeah. So I, I think him just kind of pivoting to a different, uh, different kind of niche in the space will be really cool. Yep. Um, and who knows? Maybe that'll tie back into VR at some point. Yeah. I mean, we got we got smart technology in our phones anyway, so uh, I'm sure Alexa and Siri will be all over our uh, <laughs> our headsets at some point too. Um, all right. Enough of the opening stuff. Mm-hmm. I know you want to talk about Half Life. Yep. So I'm just gonna let you go. All right. Because well, let me let me preface this. I have never played Half Life in my life. Yeah. And there's a lot of but, there's surprisingly a lot of people out there at this point that haven't because it came out a while ago. It 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 was, it was a while ago. Yeah. So I I have never played. But as somebody who, who used to be a very passionate gamer, and now VR has gotten me back into that more, um, I can totally understand the passion and excitement for a game that is coming out in a series that's had a 15-year 15 15 15 gap yeah. at this point. I mean, I think, I think technically, yeah, over 15 years for Half-Life 2. And they did release Half-Life 2 episodes 1 and 2 a little bit after. So I think uh-huh. closer to maybe 12 Okay, I, 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 I heard 15 somewhere. Yeah, I, was I know. Fif- that. I, I, I'll go with around 15 years because that's really... I mean, either way, it's a long, it's a long period of time. Oh, for, so uh, long. And for, it, for something that you were explaining was a game that was at kind of the, the top of its category at yep, the time. Yep. So how are you feeling about this, man? I mean, you're so, obviously excited. You, you and Damon were kind of talking about um, this on the last episode. Yeah. But now that... The announcement is out there now that um, you know we have some some trailer footage and things like that. As somebody who's played the game, and feel free to because you're you're not you're not talking to me only. Sure. So so you can get super nitty gritty and into the details of like yeah. what you're excited about because I'm sure there's a lot of folks who have played the games before that are really interested to hear. Yeah, sure. So yeah, so I guess as a brief preface for those out there that don't know, Valve started out by making Half Life before Steam, before VR, before anything else they were a studio that kind of came together to make games and the first game that they made was half-life and that was in late in the late 90s so i, I want to say it was 1998 when the first half-life came mm-hmm. out and it was i mean it was based on kind of on quake 2 so john carmack again uh based on quake 2 uh technology but they kind of made it their own and they crafted a first-person shooter that was unlike any other first-person shooter before it because really what they were able to do is they really focused on making it very story-driven. So the game was, you know, now we kind of take it for granted because a lot of things that it pioneered are now things that you see in all first-person shooters mm-hmm. and all like single-player campaigns. But really, you, were, you took the roles of that character in that game and from beginning to end, you were engaged in the story as that person. You were never taken out of the experience. You were seeing everything from first-person point of view. And I think one of the coolest things about that game was that 
the cinematics didn't take you out of the experience. They were just part of the game world and you were interacting with it as it happened. So, so that was, so Half-Life was groundbreaking in that regard, just in terms of storytelling and video games. And then they followed it up with a game that in my opinion was far exceeded Half-Life 1, which was Half-Life 2. And Half-Life 2 was incredible because they basically, they took that, that storytelling element, but ratcheted it up like notches that we had never even expected before by introducing a physics system into the game that mm-hmm. really was all-encompassing. So up until that, I mean, now you see some physics in games, but I still don't think there are many games that have physics as such a, a tenant and such a like a something that's just melded into the the DNA of the game. I mean, in that game, everything around you basically was part of the game world, yeah. like the physics system. And so all of a sudden, like if you saw an object, you could pick it up, you could hit it, you could shoot it. It would behave realistically. Um, if some if if something was made out of wood, you could shatter it. If some it would float in water. Hmm. It would if something was heavy, it would sink. You could you there were all kinds of puzzle elements that revolved around th- how things would actually just work in the real world. Yeah. And there was just something just this believability about how the game world worked that made you feel like you were stepping into a real place. And now we we see more of that than we did back then. Um, but still, like I said, even I'm sure this, a lot of games have been inspired by. Oh, it too, for sure. But but over that time. yeah, but it, so it was incredible, and so that whole game was kind of based on this new technology, and they were able to build just a ground. Like the storytelling was also great. Like everything about that game was amazing. Um, but it was, it, but it was groundbreaking. Is the thing, and then they released episodes one and two later. Their half Half Life episodes one and two, in connection with that. And the Portal series came out later, which is kind of tangentially related to Half-Life. But really, since Half-Life 2 and those, those smaller projects, uh, not, they never released a Half-Life 3. And there were rumblings years and years and years about them working on it internally. And people couldn't wait for that project to come out and for people to learn more. But as more and more time went by, it, just, it became kind of a joke. Like at this point... Basically, like all kinds of like Valve doesn't know how to count to three because <laughs> like they, they hadn't really they started working on all these new projects. They kind of shifted their focus over to Steam and over to a lot of their multiplayer games like Left for Dead and and uh, Team Fortress Two and yeah, ironically none of them have threes. Um, but but <laughs> I yeah, didn't know but, that. but every fun. yeah everyone wanted Half Life Three, and it turns out that. A lot of the reason, I mean, that project had been picked up and put down by a lot of people over the years. Um, but it sounds like the team, like the idea of making Half Life Three, was just such a hard one to swallow because the expectations were so high. Like I said, in the past games had been ground; they weren't just good games; they were groundbreaking. They brought something completely fresh to the landscape that yeah. no one had ever tried before. And so, I think following up with that. With, on that with something new was hard. And for the first time, it sounds like, VR gave Valve a way to bring back Half-Life in a way that was fitting to them and that they could really get excited about. And, and it sounds like the project didn't start as a Half-Life project. It sounds, it sounds like at first, they just wanted to explore VR and mm-hmm. figure out how are we going to make a really awesome VR experience. 
and they were playing around with Half-Life assets because they had them, but eventually they realized that there was enough amazingly cool stuff that they could do in VR that this was that mechanic that they had been looking like this kind of like with the gravity gun and with physics in Half-Life 2 where they built a game around this notion that we're going to we're going to bring physics to games, right? Yeah. Now they could they're they could build a new Half-Life experience around making the first, you know, truly, you know, basically making their first truly epic VR title. And so they've been working on I I want if I if I recall correctly, I don't know if it was before or after 2014, but I think from since around 2014 until now. Okay. Oh, they've been directly on, on VR. Well, yeah. I was just going to I was just going to Maybe before that. I, Maybe oh, it's even before, but... Well, I was just going to say, because we were talking about this before we started recording as well, but yeah. just to provide some background and in how involved Valve was with VR development, um, first with, you know, kind of a relationship that they had with Oculus before they were bought by Facebook, and then obviously them working with HTC to develop the Vive, yep. uh, and now they obviously have their own headset. So we, we know in the background that Valve has been very... Um, excited or are pioneer. Yeah. They, yeah I, mean, I they, think they were a lot of the, I mean, there are other players of course, but valve was one of, if not the most critical proponents of VR. Of VR I mean, yeah. even right now I would, I would argue that one of the most foundational kind of members of the Oculus team, uh, Michael Abrash, um, he came over from valve. So, gotcha. so yeah, so valve has been instrumental to VR since the beginning and ironically, other than the lab, they haven't released any software for VR. And it's because they've really been working to try to solve tons and tons of problems. And I'm just super excited. So like, so finally, so there were lots of rumors that a game called Half-Life Alex was going to be announced, that it was going to be a VR-only title, that it was going to be a full, a, a full release, i.e. like, similar length to Half-Life 2, I think around 12 to 15 hours long. Yeah. And that it was going to be a full-blown, you know, triple-A game from Valve, which they haven't done in a long time. And... Uh, well, they've never done VR. No, they haven't. Period. Yeah. So. so so shortly after a lot of the rumors, they took to Twitter and a crazy... Mo- like the, uh, Apparently back in June or July of this year... They created a Twitter account. Valve is very secretive. Like they mm-hmm. never, they're not big on, it's a privately held company. They just, that that's the term Valve time comes from like, they kind of just release things when they feel like they're ready. They're not beholden to any shareholders. Yeah. So literally they just do things like when they, they feel, feel like they it. need to do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're okay with dropping projects and they're okay with like, they just do all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so they, they had a Twitter that basically had that had like zero posts on it that they created in June or July of this year, and they used that to post a Twitter message saying, "We're announcing Half Life Alex. Learn more on Thursday, more or less." That was they 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 made that Twitter post on like Monday. Wait, so they'd never had a Twitter? They had to have a Twitter account before that. No, they made the Twitter account this year, 2019. Oh, okay, Valve Software check mark and everything. 
created like June 2019. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and their first post. So they were never on Twitter before. No. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And and and, and their first post. And and ironically, apparently they were like they because they again they're kind of secretive. They they kind of want their products, I think, to speak for themselves. True. So they don't like they've up until this point, I think, discouraged a lot of their staff to really be really active on social media apparently okay, yeah and but any the reason i'm saying that is because this week has been like the opposite like valve employees are out of the woodworks on twitter like finally we can talk about it and like it's <laughs> like apparently to people that used to work at valve like this is crazy to them because for so long it was like yeah you don't really want to get involved with like social media and blah blah, blah. like wow okay just so 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 anyways so so yeah so they posted that they posted on twitter like earlier in the week that they were going to make they were going to be releasing more on Thursday and like that it was like their first Twitter post and it got like hundreds of thousands of likes and like retweets and like like it was literally like like a lot of people yeah like in a completely baller move like they had like zero fault like they just went from nothing to like they of course they used their their blank Twitter account to make like the the big announcement that everyone's been waiting for for yeah. like more than a decade <laughs> and then and then yeah, and so then on Thursday they released a trailer, which was just like a minute and a half or so long, followed by a short uh, doc, like kind of interview done by Jeff Keeley with a few of the team members, yeah, yeah, kind of explaining to people, okay, why is it taking this long? Why Half Life Alex? Why VR? And that was essentially it was like a twenty minute or so interview, and and Jeff Keeley, he's for those who don't know him, he's a pretty famous video game journalist. Uh, he he has a very deep connection to Valve because he started his career when he was like a teenager by documumenting Half Life. So he was like, wow. he was so like an like embedded, full circle yeah. So he them. was like an embedded guy that was like there during the development process, taking notes and released what he called the final hours of Half Life, which is before he was a known guy. And then he became wow. a big known guy. And since then, he did one for Half Life Two as well. And so now. He's doing Half Life Alex. Of course, they got to bring him back for Half Life. Yeah, Alex. so they so they announced that the game's going to be releasing for all VR PC VR headsets on March of 2020. So in just in a few months, and it's yeah, it's going to be compatible with all headsets. And around that time, they're also going to release the documentary that's the final hours uh, with with that journalist, like documenting the process of. And apparently, we're we're going to learn about all kinds of things that they've worked on from beginning till now and what led them to. The project that eventually became Half Life Alex. Alex, and and that game, and we, we don't know a whole month, uh, a whole lot about it yet. Really, we just know it's VR only. They made that very clear. That that this game could have been anything else. Like it could have been another type of game. They were their goal was to make an amazing VR game, and that turned into a Half Life game. So really, their their goal here was to really figure out VR. And and just for clarification, it will be available for all platforms, yeah, not yeah. just the index. Yeah, yeah. So which that, is Valve specific headset. Yep. And 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 so along the way while they were developing it, that's how they that's why they made the index. So they designed the controllers for the index and the headset in conjunction with this game. Like literally as they were making the game, they were like, "Man, like if we could build our own controllers, like what would we want the controllers to be like?" That's what led to the index controllers. Like if we could build a headset to allow us to play this game more comfortably, what would we build? And that's yeah. that's that's what led to like all their decisions with the index. Like obviously it's going to be compatible with other with with all the headsets. They want as many people out there to be able to play this game as possible. 
but the the hardware they designed for the index was specifically like if they could make whatever they wanted like what would they make so yeah. so it's really cool and it's a really i mean this is definitely a passion project for them i mean the uh, one could argue this is the passion project for vr for them like they built their headset and their controllers around this game mm-hmm. specifically and they built this game to be fair they built this game around the technology that they think VR should be built around too. So uh, so alongside the game, they they built this game on what they're terming the Source 2 engine, which is like for, for Half-Life 2, that physics-based system and everything that I was describing before, that was no, known as the Source engine. Other modders and other developers were able to use that base to make other games. And similarly here they've solved all of these really difficult to, to solve br problems for for half-life alex and they've made this underlying system called source 2 that they're going that they're releasing to the public that you can use to build your own games this is going to be crazy i yeah. feel like there's there's so many elements around the release that it's not just about the release of the game yeah you know this it's is the technology this- it's the and it's and it's bringing people to VR. It's yeah. It's because it, the thing is like, of of course, it's a flagship title from one of the most respected gaming companies. Yep. But it also has this nostalgia of of people who've been gaming for twenty five plus years at this yep. point, right? Like, yep. so uh, it's it's kind of bringing together a lot of their interests, and then. And I didn't know this this last fact that you just dropped here, which is like they'll be providing this. It seems like open the, the, source, the, like the base, like the base, the, yeah, to to kind of help promote more and 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 better VR development across the board. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've always been, and when I say always, for the last three years, I, I've I, as long as I've been kind of in this space, I've been a fan of of Valve and and all the work that you know they do, and just I mean, because they're. They're like us, just so much smarter and technical. <laughs> they love VR. Like, we yeah. love VR. They love VR, and they're doing something about it, right? Yeah. And so, like, it's just, it's so awesome to see that. Um, no, and, 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 like, some of the, like, if, for those out there interested, like, there's an interview somewhere that came out, like, a month or, or so ago, mm-hmm. where one of the, they hadn't announced the project yet. We knew Valve was working on VR projects, but they hadn't announced that it was officially Half-Life. But he, this guy gave a a talk at a university about how they designed a door for VR for their new project. And literally the amount of time that they put into designing how doors operate in this game is mind-blowing. Like literally, like, like the, the process in which they develop their games is incredible. And it's, I, I mean, I, the thing I'm so excited for is just to, I think... I think the thing about Half-Life Alex that's going to be groundbreaking is I think we're going to experience like a sense of immersion in this game unlike any other sense that we've had in another game. Like you remember the first time you were in the lab and you were like, "Oh my gosh, like it felt like you were The lab is what sold me on getting yeah. alive." So this yeah. is they said all everything they learned from the lab, everything they've learned since, all of those things have been honed and put into Half-Life Alex. And and like I said, like when they're talking about just like the mechanics, the door was just a silly example, but it was also an example to show you how, how meticulous much, they are. Exactly. Yeah. Like they're talking like, okay, well when you go to design something for VR, 
you want it to to you think you want it to behave like like a, like it would in the real life, right? Yeah. So so okay, what does a door do in real life? Okay, well it has hinges. You can push it one way, another way. Like how do you push it? How does the knob work? But then you realize that okay, well if you come up to this in VR, like we can't like it's frustrating like when a player comes up to it mm-hmm. and tries to push it and it's a door that needs to be pulled. Or like basically it's not it's like what they've learned over time is it's not about what it's like the key to making something super immersive in VR is not making VR act exactly like real life. Yeah. It's about making VR behave the way you believe it should. So yeah, when yeah. so okay. when you approach the door if the door behaves the way your brain expects the door to behave, you're sold. If the if the door does not behave the way you expect it to behave, your immersion's broken. And so technically speaking, you could make a door work just like it did in real life, but because in VR you don't have exactly the same types of feedbacks, you might expect it to behave a little different. Like you might yeah. not realize that you need to push this hard or pull this way or and so they spent tons of time figuring out what are the players, how do the players expect the world to behave, and how can we make it behave that way in as many instances as possible. I, I'm I'm excited to try their doors now because I feel like yeah. I've, I've gone through so many VR doors already yeah. that I just want to see what the what the yeah. difference will be. Yeah, but so it's like little things like this, mm-hmm. and like and I, apparently originally it was going to be a teleport only game. Uh, basically, oh, a very have, okay. refined version of the teleportation found in the lab. Yep. But since then, they've kind of seen oh, players like a lot of different types of local. So they've included different types of locomotion. So like they also, they're not only have they been internally working very hard to solve problems in their own ways. They've also been been very keen to be on top of what the community has done to solve some of these problems too. And so they're not they're not coming into this ignorant like the last five or six years didn't happen. They understand where VR has came since the launch of the Vive and the, uh, the Rift. Yeah, yeah. But they also understand that they have specific things to add to to this platform. And on top of that, like you said, the cachet of their brand, which left PC gamers salivating for the next time. Like, like this is a brand that kind of ended at its peak. It's not like... They released a bunch of content people didn't like and decided to not release anything for a while. Literally, people couldn't wait for the next Half-Life game, and then they never saw it. <laughs> so, so this is like a, a very unique type of opportunity for them. And I mean, since they and we haven't even talked about like what was shown in the trailer because honestly, at this point, you just need to go watch it for yourself. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of little subtle things in that trailer that are really impressive. But at the end of the day, I don't think. I mean, the trailer is to get people hyped, but I don't think it's until we actually try it and feel it that we're gonna really know. I, I was gonna say, like, yeah. there's just no way. But like, but they did a great. Like, I I think if there was one thing that this trailer, everyone that has headsets now was already sold on Half Life. Alex, come on, really? What this trailer was about was getting those people that have been waiting for over a decade for the next Half Life game to see this this trailer. And to say, holy crap, I have to play the next Half-Life. I guess I need to buy a headset. 
And yep. and these are people like I right think, in time for the holidays. Yeah. Right? I, so I don't think that trailer was meant to sold to sell VR enthusiasts. Yeah. I think well, that that trailer was meant to to get everyone hyped, but I think really it, it was very targeted. Yeah, I think it was it was targeted at non VR users. I, I it had to have been. Yeah. All right. So I I wanna I wanna poke the bear a little bit here and sure. actually, uh, I guess this isn't really speculate, but uh, just. Play devil's advocate, maybe. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Sure. What I'm trying to say is, is this, in your opinion, like, do you think this is going to be this elusive killer app that VR is looking for? I hope so. Like, be- Because, and, yeah. and, and, and I'm glad that we kind of like uh, rolled into this with your last comment about it being very specifically focused for half-life enthusiasts right and people who are fans of the game mm-hmm. um and just a quick a quick topic on that about trailers like and this is what i love about vr because it's just like it's just one of those things and a lot of our earlier episodes really kind of capture this sentiment of like how you just cannot describe vr right yeah like seeing something two-dimensional on screen being in it is completely different yeah so watching a trailer uh, like it does nothing for me yeah it, it does nothing for me in the sense of like Oh, I know what that will be like in VR. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this looks like cool environments that I want to be in. Yeah. But like, man, when they come out with VR trailers, that'll be something else. Yeah. <laughs> but getting back to my point, getting back to the the what I wanted to dig into a little bit further, like, do you think this has the potential to be that? You know, was the player base for Half-Life big enough um to really push the needle here? Yeah. Because I mean, because, and I, I guess I'm I'm gonna ask you that, but uh, something that we've been talking about beforehand too. I think that Beat Saber was a killer app. I think it was a very surprise killer app that nobody really saw coming. Yeah. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say, and I want to get your opinion on it, is I I wonder, and mm. in my opinion, I feel mm. like even with my limited knowledge of Half Life, that Beat Saber will still be a bigger game than Half Life. Ironically, I mean, you might be right. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to think of it. That way, because in some ways, getting so excited about Half-Life Alex is a little bit contradictory to me. Like, I feel like a little bit of a hypocrite in the sense that I've always thought that VR has more potential than just gaming. Like, it's all about the experience. Yeah, yeah. And some of the best things in VR, to me, are more experiences and not necessarily like traditional games like we're... We're used to thinking. And so in some ways, I feel like Beat Saber transcends gaming. Like it, it is kind of a game, but at the same time, I think what Beat Saber, like one of the cool things about Beat Saber is that like people that just like all people love music. Yeah. And Beat Saber is kind of a new way to enjoy music to some people. And it's, it's the gameplay is very simple too. And it's very simple. simple. And, and, and again, like it's something that people that don't, play games can get into and really love whether you like games whether you like vr whether you don't like either of them when you play beat saber i think there's something that you can understand about it after you get to play it for a while and ironically half-life is a very is very much a game game Mm -hmm. and so definitely the target audience that they're going after are people that have vr headsets already but also people that play games now that don't have VR headsets, but not, I, I really don't, this isn't a game that's going to attract 
non-gamers. If that makes sense. Like it's Exactly. I think that's exactly what I'm trying to drive at here. Yeah. And well, and, and the reason the reason I'm bringing it up is I'm not trying to be pessimistic by any means, just more just I'm trying to have more of a tempered yeah. perspective on this because it, it shows you though how much like right now Twitter is just like it's the second comment. Like I mean, literally <laughs> yeah. everyone is so excited, so excited, and I am too, right? No, I, like, and, and I am as well. Yeah, so. But ironically, I think that just goes to show you how strong of a presence the games industry has in VR right now. Mm-hmm. Like these people, like whether we like it or not, most people involved in VR right now, including myself, love games, and so this is like this could potentially be the best game we've seen in VR. But VR has the potential to be so much more than just games. And there have been people on the peripheries that have made huge breakthroughs in VR that are non-gaming related. Yeah. And, 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 and more experiential and more like VR has the potential to transcend games, I think, in some ways. Like eventually, I mean, ironically, the quote, one of the quotes that, that came out recently from Gabe Newell at Valve, mm-hmm. the founder of Valve, um, was something like basically VR is a transition period. It's like basically... Yeah, it's the next stage of games and and that kind of technology, but it's also the a transitional period in from where we are now to basically direct brain computer uh, interactions. Mm. Like that, basically, this is the middle gap. Is that like I think there's still a couple. <laughs> I think there's still a couple more steps yeah, in between there. But, but I I can understand the sentiment that he's getting at. Yeah, yeah. And so no, so so I like if you think of that next level, like. The technology itself, yeah, it's great for games, but it's also like if you believe Facebook, it's the next big computing platform. Mm-hmm. And like uh, things have came out now with with Apple, like they have a VR slash AR division that apparently is massive. Like even though there were rumors that it shut down, and now supposedly they have AR glasses that are set to release like as early as like twenty twenty three or something, maybe before that. And they and apparently they foresee that within like I don't know how credible this is, but it seemed pretty like the places I saw it being reported seemed credible enough that apparently Apple internally believes that their glasses in ten years are going to replace the iPhone. Like they're developing glasses. I, that's just awesome. Yeah. That like that's their internal their internal goal looking forward and and where their technology is moving. Is that they're projecting that in ten years, this glasses product that is going to be released before then, mm-hmm. but by the time the glasses product matures to where it needs to be, it's, that it's going to replace the iPhones in, in in their lineup. Like that's where they're viewing the technology going. And so I was always curious about that. Yeah, uh, just because like I mean the smartphone has been around for twelve ish years now, right? Apple dropped the first iPhone in two thousand seven, and you hear a lot of like futurists and people who are in tech and philosophize about tech talk about how they're it's gotten kind of stale right like you look at very very incremental improvements year after year for the iphone iphone s iphone whatever you know what i mean yeah uh and i'm sure uh, i'm obviously an iphone guy but i'm sure it's the same across all the different uh all the different smartphone technologies so yeah i mean i am curious to that that's actually fascinating to me fascinating to me because i'm always curious about like okay well what's the next thing that's going to revolutionize people's lives right yeah like it's kind of crazy to me to think that like not even you know 12 13 years ago like i can't 
think of what my life was before the smartphone. Yeah. Obviously, I can. I'm I'm being I'm exaggerating in that sense, but it's like. But you can't you can't imagine what your so, life would be like now without it. Like it's like, so it's like so you integrated. Know, you yeah. know, as a kid, how your life was when you didn't have a phone. It's but, just, but yeah. I'm saying, but can you imagine being a, an adult? And not having access to the things that you've grown accustomed to having access to. Yeah. Like, can you imagine living in, like, L.A., for example, and not having access to <laughs> the uh, maps, the ma- a map system? Yeah, being in or, a new foreign city or something like yeah, that. Like, yeah. th- this was like a common thing for people. Like, I'm yeah. just saying, like, our lives are so much easier now because of the technology yeah. that we've grown accustomed to. So, uh, yeah. So, I guess I. Sorry, we just kind of went off on a tangent. Yeah. There. But I, I mean, that is actually fascinating to me because I, I do. Spend some yeah. time thinking about like, well, what what is going to replace yeah. the iPhone, right? But, well, what not the iPhone, but like, what's going to replace a smartphone? Yeah. Like, but no. So getting back to your question though is like, if you look at the VR industry from that more expansive angle, then a release like Half Life has the potential to bring a lot of gamers into VR that haven't gotten into VR yet. But it's not going to bring more. I don't think it's going to bring a lot more people that aren't gamers into VR. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, I just think as the technology uh, matures, there's going to be a lot of other types of surprise, uh, you know, innovations that are going to bring people on where we least expect them. So, yeah. so this this is probably not the biggest hit of VR, but it might be a gateway for a lot more people to get VR. And as more people see VR, yeah, then it'll be easier to catch on. Well, I'll still make the argument that I think. Beat Saber will have more of, or at least it, when it's hard to compare apples to apples, right? Because they're they're very different and released at different times. But I just I'm just still very much impressed with what Beat Saber was able to do. Sure. And I'm not trying to put down Half Life. It's more so just I want to have tempered expectations. But what I am excited for, which you just kind of like, uh, you flipped the switch in my head right now, is like yeah. you said they're going to bring more gamers in, mm-hmm. and as we know. There's a ton of money in the gaming industry. Yeah. So when you're bringing more people who are passionate about gaming specifically, I don't just think about Valve making $60 a pop off of these sales. I think about Twitch mm-hmm. and YouTube and yep. Facebook gaming. And you know what I mean? And all the stuff that like people who are passionate about this will be watching. You, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's so much. You saw, it's such a you, dynamic yeah. environment. You saw some of that industry. this week. Exactly. And the game isn't even out yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People that never talk about VR, we're talking a lot about VR. Exactly. So yeah. so the thing is like, it, well, talk is fine, but if you yeah. if we can bring those users, Dollar. those passionate users, <laughs> well, exactly. You bring the dollars in, yeah. but then you know, I, I'm trusting just in the, in the in the spirit of innovation, which we have seen, I'm trusting that those dollars, those extra dollars that will be coming in, will be spent wisely on hiring more brilliant minds, yeah. investing in better technology. You know what I mean? So yeah. in that way, it's going to have a significant impact. Yeah. You know what I mean? A very different impact than I think Beat Saber. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I, I think Beat Saber put VR on the map to the casual goer, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean, this is something that our wives like to, like to oh, play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're, they're not going to get excited over Half-Life. And, and quite, <laughs> but, yeah. and, no, and quite frankly, yeah. I showed my wife and she's like, oh, cool. Like, But, like, <laughs> but li- literally, like, once Beat Saber came out, like, before, I, ironically, before Beat Saber, like, I feel uh, my wife was interested in trying all kinds of different VR experiences. Once she experienced Beat Saber, I feel like, now it's always yeah sure I'll try that thing can I try can I play Beat Saber now <laughs> like like she's like I, she just knows she loves she knows Beat Saber. her things yeah, yeah. I, and and I mean like I I think that that's 
I think that that's obviously a great thing for VR because it, it it's also very hypnotic to watch. Yeah. So you you would see a lot of clips and a lot of people like live streaming with it and things like that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's it's I I I don't want it to sound like I'm hating on Half Life for any reason. It's just I was curious what type of impact that would be because. You know, when you water it down, everybody's looking for this, like, what is this killer app that's going to drive VR through the roof, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I, I, and my argument is that, like, I think Beat Saber was more, will be more of a killer app from a, um, you know, high level, like, sure. hey, what is VR? I mean, at the end of the day, but if, they if will Half-Life, have different impacts, yeah. If Half Life brings a lot of new people into VR, how many of those people do you think will also buy Beat Saber? <laughs> like, yeah. True, true. Well, I, <laughs> no, I, but I, I, I'm saying that like yeah, to yeah. say Beat Saber is like around to stay. Yeah, like yeah. Beat Saber has made an impact, but I feel like its impact has only begun. Like its impact is like just beginning, inevitably yeah. tied to the success of VR. Yeah, like as more people get into VR, it's like automatically more people will get into Beat Saber because it's that good. Not everyone that buys a headset will buy Half Life. But probably everybody that buys a headset will have will buy Beat Saber. <laughs> well, and, and that's not, I'm not even trying to get into comparing sales. Or, it, yeah. it was more so like, I mean, there's other analysts and stuff that are going to do that. For, sure. for us, like, it, I think it's just more interesting to talk about like, what is what is the deeper impact? Like, what are the things that people don't necessarily see on the top level? Yeah. Right? Like, like uh, and I can't think of anything right now, but it's like, uh, uh, I thought about this earlier in a different context, but it's like, when we mentioned it before, but like games like Climby, for yeah. example, right? Like, fantastic indie game uh that was very innovative for its time yeah but it's like how will a game like that affect you know or inspire future developers of a triple a game honestly to it has exactly like, yeah. so so that's that's what i'm talking about that's those are the things that i'd I like to look for and i, I think yeah. that make you know hopefully this podcast interesting for yeah. others it's like like what are the what are the deep things that we see common yeah. across all the different games that we play and and the the kind of like long-term effects that they're going to have on the industry well and, and i i kind of want to end on that a little bit as far as like what has me most excited about half-life alex isn't necessarily this half-life experience that they've that Valve has crafted, it's the underlying technology. Like I am a huge Half-Life fan. I, I, I played Half-Life one and two the episodes a million times. I like af- when Half-Life two was announced. Like I, I was talking to Damon the other day. This was back in like I think it was two thousand two or three or something. Anywhere between two thousand one and two thousand three when it was announced. And it was announced at E three. Back then I didn't have access to E three. I heard when people went and saw this demo that they were showing off, at the end they got a free T-shirt. I literally went on eBay and bought that T-shirt for like 75 bucks, <laughs> like, like as a kid. Because I was just like, That's oh amazing. my gosh, there's a Half-Life 2 T-shirt. And like back then, you remember, it, you used to not, there wasn't like merch everywhere. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, so like I, I thought like I had like, you, you were I was still, like one of like a, two people that had this shirt. Like, you, you were afraid of putting your credit card number online. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, so huge Half-Life fan, right? But I, I, I'm saying that to say that what excites me about this project is less about the property and about what the actual game ends up being per se mm-hmm. and more about what Valve has been able to accomplish in VR. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what type of interactions and how, how it feels. And I, can't, and I really hope that they've done stuff there that is able to filter into other experiences. Because that's what, beyond Half-Life Alex. if this stuff goes well, I think we're going to see a lot of, a lot, we're going to see things out of the community using the technology. 
we're going to hopefully see future projects from Valve in VR that are that are more than like like this is a, a hundred percent a possibility. They even said so much in the interview with Jeff Keighley that kind of like, well, we don't have any plans yet. We have to wait and see how Half Life Alex is received. I.e., like we would love to do more VR. If this thing isn't a success, I don't know that we will do as much as we're hoping to. Mm-hmm. But if it if it ends up being a success, and and I don't know what they're going to be measuring success by. It could be critical acclaim. It could be copy sold. Like I, I don't know what their term of success is going to be. But whatever it is, if if they get the feedback they're looking for from this project, it could lead to a lot of other really really cool, even more innovative type stuff from them and from others in the future. So th- so that's I think what has me most excited about this aren't like necessarily the details of this project. It's the idea that Valve is releasing a full VR software product and that we could potentially be seeing more from them in VR in the future. So, there's your mic drop moment. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I'm I'm with you, man. I I think that's a fantastic place for us to to finish the episode and um I'm excited. I'm excited. There's a lot of really cool things happening. We are coming up to the end of uh dude, it's the end of the decade. That that's, hit, that hit me. That's kind of weird. Yeah. We're going to be in the 2020s now. Um but we're coming up to the end of the decade and uh What is it? Is it aughts and tens? Like what how do they I guess so. Cuz they like they talk, called it the 2000s and this yeah. has been the 2010s. Yeah. So the next decade is going to be the 2020s. 2020s. Yeah. So I, for some reason I always like link that to, like I always think of like the 1900s and how like <laughs> like you know 1920 yeah like, yeah 2020 I don't know it's weird that we're like at the beginning of a century I think that too yeah um, well it's uh yeah lots of exciting stuff coming our way uh, I mean and we will be updating you guys and bringing you the news as uh, as it comes along but for now. Thank you for tuning in to the State of VR episode number two. Mm -hmm. We'll be back in December, but uh, this is, again, our YouTube show. So if you are only watching on YouTube, make sure to check out the podcast. It's available on Spotify, iTunes, pretty much much all of the known uh, platforms, I believe. So uh, you can check out the audio version there, but not just that. We also drop a lot of different other episodes and content on there. Although we will also begin adding more YouTube content. Sorry, I should just say video content in general. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Have a happy Thanksgiving holiday for those of you in the US. Uh, For those of you in Canada, I guess you celebrated a couple weeks ago. And for (laughs) those of you around the rest of the world, have a great rest of the month and we'll be back in December. Take care. Bye.